0: Everybody, <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll just talk right <laughs> Leave over you. Leave that in. And for those of you that missed that, John hates the Zoom recording lady's voice so much. Yeah, uh, there you go. Because she's telling us that we're being recorded. I mean, I think that's polite.
1: I think I just hate the way it sounds.
0: That's fair. Yeah, it's, it's it's
1: not really a pleasing voice. It's very robotic.
0: It's very. It robotic. sounds like it, and it
1: sounds like it was recorded sometime in the early '80s. You know. Yeah,
0: it really does have that. You know. <laughs> i can't do that dave <laughs> <laughs> open the pod hal um sorry guitars yes welcome everybody this is our uh sharpen that axe it's a podcast about learning open the podcast Dylan, open the, po- <laughs> open the podcast door dave this is our uh, second episode that we've recorded in the space of two hours so uh bear with us but it's a mini one so it is uh mercifully short so this is a mini episode and john if you recall our last three mini episodes were i think four actually were all about guitar effects and basically the well ran dry and we were like okay we've, we've said all we need to say but i think that in guitar music it's it's metal it's rock it's jazz bit of blues you know, but they these are the main genres. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there's, you know, I think when you say metal, metal is a very much an umbrella term. Like there are just so many sub genres within it. But I feel that one genre that doesn't get enough love is uh, ska. Now, before you turn off, which is not a off, metal genre, not a metal genre. Sorry, <laughs> let's 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 say that right here, right now. Um, and I, I ran it by you in terms of because they're not just ska, but I feel there are other subgenres of music that are guitar-based, um, but don't get enough love. So I think that was a good idea to maybe spend the next few mini episodes talking about. Different subgenres like ska and rockabilly and maybe grunge, and you know, because there still is a grunge move, there still are grunge modern grunge bands, which is weird to think about. But I'd love to just kind of dissect these different genres and also go into maybe some metal subgenres and the the characteristics thereof, um, and also bring it back to like the guitar's role. What can you learn from learning mm-hmm. songs of these genres? So, Scott, <laughs> where, are we it, where are we starting? it off with Scott? Okay, so I have a long and, if you have pardoned the pun, checkered uh, oh. history. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Uh, you, do my, you have some two-tone shoes too. And no, I had the belt mm. for a while, but I, I can never, <laughs> I can never justify the shoes. And um, one of my favorite. One liners uh, from John Oliver is he was talking about something, some things just need to be left in your mm. teenage years, like hand jobs and Ska music. And it's <laughs> like, and you know, both of those things are great, but I want to hear to justify why Ska music is so much more than uh, two tone shoes uh, buying those vans. And you know, I, you know I'm not going to lose my wallet because I have a wallet chain. You know, Ska is. <laughs> Ska is not just the summer of Ska in 1996. It is not uh, just, you know, smoking joints and listening to a sublime album. There is a, a very diverse, very interesting uh, musical genre and how it uses the different elements of the band. You know, there it's one of these genres where every instrument has a specific role. Mm-hmm. And it's also one that there are a lot more instruments than your standard rock band. So I suppose we'll start this off with uh, a musical clip So I, I'm not even going to give any context I'm going to, uh, I'm going to just Let you hit it whenever you're ready And uh, I, will, I will go from there
1: So I <laughs> I do want to talk about Sublime So We're going to talk about Sublime <laughs> We're going to talk about Sublime I, mm. Mm. Okay mm. Okay so first clip here yeah. We're ready for it You're going to go to the record store You're going to give them all your money you
0: to hear. Tell me it's cool. I just don't believe it. Sell out with me, oh yeah. Sell out with me tonight. The record companies only give me lots of money, and everything's gonna be alright.
1: Yeah. Okay. How can you not <laughs> want to dance to that? Oh my gosh. Right. I just want right? to skank like right now, right here. So yes, we should uh, uh,
0: uh, preface this for people that aren't familiar with the v- vernacular skanking is a type of dancing. Um and we'll actually come back to the origins yes. of that term.
1: I I'm I am not looking reasons. to personally be a skank So just no. to,
0: just to clarify. <laughs> that. Those days are behind us both. <laughs> um so, so yeah, so John, do you know who this is?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, this is uh before we started recording I mentioned I do have I also have a secret love for ska. Um Oh. It is my hope someday to play in a ska cover band because it's just fun. Um, I just play all these tunes. It's not super hard, but it's just, it's so much fun. Uh, This is Real Big Fish. This is obviously sellout. Yes, it is. Um, Yeah, this is, it's, like I said, it's on my playlist. But this is from, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Third Wave, and it's that uh, West Coast, California style. Is that
0: right? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And Uh, this is very dismissive.
1: Go, go uh yeah they're, they're very, i mean they're very
0: very they're hyper aware of who they are as as a band right. they they have a live album called they're a really really well recorded live album called our live album is better than your live album and they are constantly <laughs> poking fun at the fact that they are one hit wonders and it's like remember when we were famous during the summer of ska <laughs> and they're so this is their big hit so i heard this a friend of mine gave me when i was 16 gave me a wallet full of cds sh- showing my age here and fi- real big fish's greatest hits was on it and it's called uh, that's right they have other hits but mm-hmm. you know that cover of uh, take on me from the movie basketball um, is they, that where know, that's from i had songs. no idea yes they they they're actually in the movie playing that song at one of the baseball basketball games it's one of the stupidest things i've ever seen but anyway i was really kind of taken aback by because uh, i'd never heard ska before i'd heard like the odd special song and you know because sublime weren't a thing <laughs> in right, ireland right. at right. all you know and we'll come back to sublime because we'll, we're we're going to put a pin in that and come back have and there. yeah <laughs> we'll come back <laughs> uh, guitar teachers around the world now and um, but i really liked the idea of it was you know, it was punk, essentially it was like pop punk, but it had the brass and it was so upbeat and so kind of like relentless. And Real Big Fish has some really, really good musicians in it, like Matt Long on the bass and Aaron Barrett, who is the front man who also plays all the guitar parts. And he's a really underrated player. Um, I, uh, you know, because this is basically, you know, we should rename this episode Dylan's Confessions, Dylan's Musical Confessions. But I have seen uh, The Fish, as they like to be called five times well five and a half times oh my gosh because i got kicked out of uh <laughs> one of the gigs in four different countries uh, i got kicked out of the san diego gig because i was only 19 and it was an over 21s gig what? um but basically the real the reason i'm playing real big fish is because they were very much my gateway drug into discovering what ska is all about and i uh, i you know i started wearing the checkered belt i had like ska t-shirts <laughs> i was the coolest kid uh, <laughs> did
1: you have an operation ivy t-shirt?
0: See, no, but I love Operation Ivy. Oh, man. Great band. (laughs) Um, Here
1: I was like, you were moving up in my estimation, and then it's just like, you just stopped. You just stopped. No (laughs) Operation Ivy t-shirt.
0: No, uh, unfortunately not. But like, once again, this is music that, okay, so we're going to go through the waves, because as you pointed out earlier, Real Big Fish were in the third wave of Ska, which was during the mid-90s, which actually started in the late 80s, but moved into the Mm mid-90s. And essentially, I kind of did some... Uh, you know, historical analysis when I was in college in terms of like, what is this music? How did it turn into this ridiculously fun, poppy, stupid music? And it's actually, there's some really interesting roots. So a friend of mine, uh, a family friend who's a bit older, uh, gave me a, a Trojan was one of the biggest condom makers. I don't know. And also one of the uh, record (laughs) labels during the 1970s and they made a compilation and it's this incredible compilation. You can find it on YouTube. It's not on Spotify. I'll post a link to it's just live performances from 1970s ska bands and we're talking like the selector bad manners the specials um the Beat, like all these different bands and i was just hooked i was like what is this music because it's all just because the thing is like ska music is a music that's made to be played live It's uh, very much a communal thing. And this led to like, you know, I went to see the specials twice when they reformed. I interviewed Pauline Black from the selector when they released their last album. You know, I I really much kind of threw myself into it because it's not something that it's a very niche uh, subgenre. So I suppose, I'm going to talk about the the musical elements before before going into a little bit of history cuz it's all kind of tied into each other. So it's it's all about the live experience because it, it's a, it's communal because it has roots in Jamaican dance halls. Mm. And there's a 4/4 four, four time signature pretty much all the time with heavy syncopation on beats 2 and 4. So the the backbeat. And you know this offbeat which is like the dun 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 you know playing off the beat. This is called what was referred to as the skank and then it led to the dance.
1: Oh really guy. I didn't yes. know that, okay,
0: so that's where that comes from, and it's just the thing is like when you're looking at the guitarist's role on this, the guitar is often either it's the guitar that's doing the you know, that's doing the the rhythm parts or it's also, you know, doubling what the organ is doing and it's all, it's, you know, it can be played very fast depending on the context and it's almost all upstrokes because you're doing bar chords and you are playing the, you know, you're, you're basically doing muted bar chords that are choked all the time and you're just playing, you know, the top three strings essentially. And yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think it's a really, the guitar, you know what ska guitar sounds like because what i'm going to do is i'm going to play you a few different uh sound examples and you can you're going to see how it grows this style of guitar playing so just to go back so the first wave of ska started in jamaica in the 1960s Uh, basically after the second world war jamaicans could afford to purchase radios for the first time and they were exposed to the rhythm and blues of the american south and this is like fat's domino you know loads of different uh, kind of you know black artists who were doing their own thing and who had who had recordings and the Jamaicans really liked this and they basically started to reincorporate the songs reimagine these songs and fuse them with traditional Jamaican and pan-Caribbean genres uh, like amero and calypso and then by the time the 1960s rolled around it had kind of evolved into its own genre it was basically you're fusing calypso with rhythm and blues and it's this whole new thing so yeah, um, sorry. What are you sending me? <laughs> like, uh,
1: just a couple you, you of things. Me- to,
0: yeah, for, uh, there's a video
1: there of how to skank. Um, so <laughs> ah, I'll, I'll edit this out too. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that'd be great. It, it, just, it, like, it's just oh like God. it's a terrible YouTube video, yes. but it looks hilarious. Uh, oh, these then, are great. And the other one actually is a really good like, history we'll, we'll, of two tones. So yeah, the, the that one, that was the one I was trying to yes, think of. Yes, which
0: we'll be getting to shortly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. so cool. we'll just, That's all. This uh, is our point, point back. No worries. Thanks. Um, So, yeah, so you have this new genre and you have a lot of, you know, popular artists like Jamaican Ska kind of grows and grows. And you've got artists like Desmond Decker and the Skatelites and Jimmy Cliff. And these are artists that were not just famous in Jamaica, but they moved over to the U.S. and and basically kind of made this genre popular. And so I've got a clip there um, of Desmond Decker. And if you want to have a listen uh it's this is like very you know this is from 1967 so it's a bit later but this is when scott had very much been established in the early 60s okay i want to have a listen Okay. Yeah. So you can see the origins. You can see the upstrokes. And Mm -hmm. the whole thing is that the guitar is very much like it's chugging along. And because there's often a lot of rhythmic elements beneath, the chord progressions are never too complicated because usually you're layering horns, you're layering harmonized vocals. You know, you're rarely getting more than four or five chords. And what's interesting now is that I suppose that, so that was 007 by Desmond Decker and essentially these, this became popular in the sixties. And then in the seventies, and we talked about this before the show, we, uh, we have two tone, which is a movement which happened in the late seventies, around the same time as punk 77, Mm -hmm. 78, um, given the two fingers to Thatcher. And what happened was these records, these Jimmy Cliff Desmond Decker records got really popular in the UK. And in the dance halls in the UK, particularly in Coventry, um, which is in the West Midlands, I believe. And it kind of, it led to a lot of musicians, black and white musicians coming together and basically speeding up this music and basically reimagining it for, you know, for the punk kids, for the skinheads, for the rude boys, for all the different immigrant populations that were there in the UK. And, you know, just kind of speeding it up. And Jan, you know a little bit about two tone. You, you're a fan.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, I think it's fascinating because it kind of, uh, as we talked about, sort of a little bit before the show, you, we we have this like mixture of it doesn't really matter necessarily your background, your your skin color, where you come from, whatever. Because a, a lot of where this comes from is second generation immigrants from yes. Jamaica. Yeah. So yeah. you know, they grew up listening to these Desmond Decker and Jimmy Cliff records. And and then they bring in that element into this music. And it's it's this fusion of these different styles and different types of music and just really people getting together, regardless of where you're from, what you look like and just playing music. And to me, that's, that's really inspiring. That's just such a cool aspect of kind of breaking down these barriers and what music can do and how music can kind of help propel things in a positive way uh i i don't know i that's one of the things i find fascinating about the culture around two-tone um yes that it was just about like hey yeah it was just about hey let's make some music and let's have some fun you know
0: yeah exactly let's let's unite in the dance floor on the in the dance hall on the floor like and it's just so inclusive and you know you know it was about black and white people kind of coming together and you know. Very much you know as the operation Ivy song goes like it 's all about unity, and this was reflected in the dress in you know the 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 zoo suits the the black and white the you know the the checkered flags that became really popular at gigs and um, so in order to kind of basically give you like an audio cue just to show how things have evolved from the Desmond Decker days. Um, we have uh, The Specials, which were probably the biggest ones. I've seen them like a couple of times live, as I said. Uh, very, I mean, fundamental. And their first album is still one of my favourite debut albums I've ever heard, produced by Elvis Costello. And uh, so I've got a clip from that. Uh, this is Nightclub. Go
1: So, if if I can interject there real quick, like one of the Please. things I notice right away is what happens by the time you get to two tone. Your the bass player is doing a lot more interesting stuff. Yes, like the bass lines get super interesting. Um, the horn sections are more prominent, and it's a uh, there is an element of just kind of this this really simple idea of vocals like that sound right there from the 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 specials that vocal style you can hear it in real big fish you hear it in the mighty mighty boss tones and it's a little bit rough and ready you know it's not really refined it's not really polished um it's kind of yeah dry exactly in terms of production it's not like um you've got a whole bunch of reverb or anything on that even on the high production value ones like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones who come in that third wave like when you listen to that impression that I get they're obviously their biggest hit but when you listen to it those vocals are still really dry and you get that raspiness and the hoarseness out of his voice Um, but it's interesting here like we're starting to see all those elements that we traditionally think of when we're coming from those Desmond Decker days into this where we've got the bigger horn section. And this is too about the time the specials has a really, a much more consistent lineup, right? It's not sort of like a Minuto where they're just like switching the lineup out every two years. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think is kind of cool is that you have these bigger bands that pretty much have pretty consistent players. Even the horn players, you know, are pretty much lifers. In a lot of yeah. these bands and that's really cool to me
0: yeah i, I mean that was a, a a big thing in terms of uh, but well i'm gonna unpack first of all what you said there because you said it really well just the idea of everything gets busier you know everything mm-hmm. is kind of evolving especially with the bass lines you know and you can go back to those like too much too young and gangsters and it's just like the the, the bass is so prominent it's always moving You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's constantly in flow and, you know, you see this later with bands like Rancid and, you know, you know, it's all kind of overlapping. And I I just, I think that as well, but you hear one thing, bringing it back to the guitar, the guitar is always there. It's always doing like pretty much the same rhythm, but it's just, it's like, it's like the hi-hat. It's Mm -hmm. like, it has its place. It is the, you know, the bass is almost showing off. But the guitar is the guitar has kind of taken the place of the bass, if you'll say, if yeah. you, you know, if you see what I'm saying. And I think that's really interesting because the things with the specials, they had two guitarists, uh, Linville and uh, Roddy Radiation, and like <laughs> Linville is just there doing all the rhythm parts, and Roddy mm-hmm. is just like you know putting these very uh, kind of rockabilly inspired leads over. But it's just it just works, you know. It was very much like. Uh, all these different elements that shouldn't work at all from like Terry Hall's really dry, sarcastic vocals about how he hates going to the nightclub. That's what that song is about. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's just, but it's also, it's kind of bringing people together. You are really fed up and meshing it with this Jamaican music and just turning it up a few, turning the dial up. And um, yeah. So I suppose like two tone, I highly recommend that Trojan box set. It's really, really good in terms of, Giving you an idea of the crowd's participation in the music, so now we got to talk about the third wave. So uh, this is, which there are this, some things I absolutely love about third wave. Um, yeah, but so just to give some context, this music kind of petered out around 1980, 1981. It wasn't really the the subcultures kind of the kids grew up essentially, mm-hmm. people kind of moved on, and you know since started taking over and. It basically, you know, 89 on, it started bubbling up until about 1996 when it really kind of exploded. And this is thanks to a lot of different things. Basically, post-grunge, there were all these different subgenres, And ska punk just kind of happened to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, like... It, you know, it, it wasn't really a thing here, but you can see it in the culture of the time. Like I grew up watching Clueless. I grew up, you know, watching like, you know, there's something about Mary where there's loads of ska, you know, it infused punk music. And um, it's just a really interesting thing. And no doubt, like no doubt's first album is hugely ska influenced. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a really interesting thing. I mean, this is when Real Big Fish come out. And um, when you think of like that era of music, like what are your thoughts?
1: Um, I mean, when I think of that third wave of Ska, it's so heavily influenced by what comes off of the West coast. Right. Yes. So even, even though Boston's are out of Boston, yes. um, hence the pun, uh, the, <laughs> uh, you can hear that West coast influence, right? Massively. You you get that punk influence as well. And so, as you were saying, I, I think it's, but it's, I just remember it being fun, you know, that was, yeah. it was, it was upbeat. It was fun. And even if, even if the message wasn't always necessarily upbeat, it was just fun to listen to, like, it, Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, you don't have think it, about it at all. It <laughs> retains a lot of the, the things that we hear in the specials. Um, and I, there's a little bit of an irony when you're thinking about uh, a type of music that kind of like punk, like the idea of pop punk is sort of an oxymoron and sort of the idea yes, of
0: isn't it yeah, a popular
1: version of ska or ska punk, um, as it's frequently called, is also a little bit of an oxymoron. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's, there's uh, so many good things that come out of that. There's also sublime that comes, yes. that is frequently okay, are lumped we... <laughs> in that category. Let me put it that way. It's lumped right. in the category. I have an opinion on that. We'll get to that when we get there. Okay. But. Yeah. okay, we're going
0: to talk about Sublime, and we're going to talk about Sublime after this clip, because I don't think, how have we gotten to over episode 100 and not talked about Sublime? But we okay. need to just give it a little taste of what this sounded like. So I was going to pick another Real Big Fish song or a Boston song, and I really wanted to pick one that, so I didn't, I picked a Less Than Jake song. Mm-hmm. And I saw a Less than Jake real big fish double bill about eight years ago in Vancouver and it was one of the oh funnest gosh. nights of my life. But what Less Than Jake did was they really took some of the punk elements that had been popular, mm-hmm. popularized by, you know, Blink One Eighty Two or Green Day and kind of melded it together with the really busy bass lines and the horn section. So I've prepared a clip if you want to have a listen. This is all my best friends are metalheads. Do you know about his strength? it? Can be- lost on the faith and religion did we take the time to really discover how little we know about each other keep on saying anything
1: can't separate from everything. yeah no this really means it's one in a crowd and you're part of it yeah I, I remember this one uh yeah. this is also <laughs> on my playlist so uh, <laughs> but um what's interesting like you said about this is you hear much more of i know you said sort of pop punk where you're you're thinking about blink 182 and green day but to me this is a slightly like it's a step past um kind of like a sex pistols you know or clash yeah you know like that's really where those vocals to me come from um but then you've got like the guitar element which kind of is a combination between those punk guitar elements and your uh, traditional ska guitar playing but now you've got the horns the the real driving beat though to me feels much more punk maybe that's not necessarily the case but that's kind of my initial inclination is that it's much more punk than it is traditional reggae or ska so
0: yeah exactly and I think what what it comes down to is tempo Mm -hmm. you know I mean this is after metal had become big this is when drummers were playing faster I mean back in the late 70s I mean you had the Sex Pistols and the Ramones Mm -hmm. but it was just like it wasn't like that kind of breakneck speed that some of these bands were able to play in and like take it from me playing that ska rhythm but at those tempos it's difficult man yeah it you know it requires a lot of uh I suppose stamina to be able to do it and like I've seen Aaron Barrett play and it's just he's just so effortless in his doing because he's just been doing it for 20 years and
1: yeah, and, just, and the it's rhythm, cool. the rhythm on on these two, uh, in most of these actually is it's harder than it sounds. I mean, we talked yes. about like, oh, it's just the upper three strings, and it's a lot of like semi bar chords, and you know these triad voicings and things like that. Um, by this time, and particularly with these bands, whether it's Less Than Jake or Real Big Fish or Boston's or whoever you're really dealing with a lot of like seventh chords. You've got the extended voices that the guitar player is playing. So there's much more knowledge that goes into the guitar playing than just like, oh, it's a bar chord. Um, (laughs) And in some ways, so like when someone says, hey, I want to learn to play ska, it's like, I mean, I can show you what to play, but do you know what you are playing? Do you know how it fits in a horn section? Um, And not only that, that right hand technique is harder than you think it is you know, to get the mute in the right place. And you've got these combinations of left hand and right hand mutes. Um, And like you said, at the the tempo that most of these bands are playing in in the 90s, late 90s, it's a lot harder. You know, you're playing in these 140 BPM plus tempos with these tricky rhythm sections where your left hand's jumping all over the place to get these chord shapes. Mm. It's not as easy as it sounds. You know so i i it, i think in that respect, ska rhythm playing gets sort of a bad rap because it's like, oh, it's just three strings, and it's like <laughs> really, just three strings, yeah you're, so, no, it's, yeah
0: it's 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 very much not what about the left hand is doing, well, I suppose it is because of the mutes, like you're choking the the bark yeah chord, but and
1: and like I said, and knowing what those chords are, like you're actually playing the nine and the thirteen and the dominant seven or whatever, you know, sometimes like that's or you might be playing the third, the nine and the 13 and like, okay, do you know what that is? Do you know where that goes? Do you know how it fits in with everything else? And most of the time these guys actually do like it's, it's not just a happy accident. You know, they, they actually know what they're playing. Um, And it's funny. You don't think of ska as like a thinking man's music, but as a guitar player,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I'm, first of all, let me say thank you so much for bringing it. I was like, okay, we're going to go through Scott the whole episode and not talk about guitar, and I'm so glad we we're able to bring it back to that. But <laughs> I think that's a really good point in the fact that, like, you're writing these horn sections mm-hmm. and these horn parts that have to fit in over what everything else is doing. And <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it just works really well in terms of being able to build on, like the rhythm section and then what the guitar is doing and then the horn section and the vocals, like there's a lot to it. And you like a lot of these bands would have seven or eight members. And like, you know, you yeah, have to really yeah. love what you're doing because like, you're not going to get paid, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like Green Day where there's only three of them. And um, there's a lot more musical involvement in it. So I suppose we should round off our discussion uh, with talking about Sublime. So may
1: I, may I, may I start this? Sorry, okay. okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I mean it's yeah. it's your episode on this. And then Thank you.
0: I'm i will <laughs> rip into it. <laughs> and you're wider. gonna <laughs> you're gonna come in and bulldoze into it. Um so I I went I lived in San Diego for a summer when I was 19, as I previously mentioned, got kicked out of a real big fish show on my birthday. And I was busking on the boardwalk with my best friend, and we would play just it was two of us with acoustic guitars and we would play like cover the stupidest songs and every second dude bro that came up to us and dude bro mcfrat lad um who came up to us would be like sublime man and the thing is like we weren't we weren't that far from huntington beach at all right and that's where they they became popular And like people were like offering us i'll pay you like ten dollars right now to play a sublime song and we had never heard of sublime before and sublime yeah like nobody really in ireland knows who they are stoners do but that's right. like kind of it
1: that.
0: <laughs> imagine and you know and I was it was weird because I had never heard of this band that was basically a religion in southern california and i came home i got the greatest hits i was like this is fine it's you know it's the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. you know and just it's it's a very interesting legacy and you know they've come back with a new singer who sounds eerily like Bradley Noel like mm-hmm. his voice, his vocal tonality, and you know, he's a good guitar player. And yeah, I mean like there's some nice solos, there are some nice melodies, there are some, you know, the, the bass is always fun. But yeah, it's it's very like I'm like, how is this as big? But I wasn't there. So tell me, Sublime, what do you think?
1: Uh you want me to play the clip first?
0: Let's play the clip. I forgot yeah. that I prepared a clip. <laughs> this is Santeria by Sublime. practice santeria i ain't got no crystal ball well, i
1: had a million dollars but i I'd, I'd spend it all
0: if i could find that hannah in that sancho that she's found well i'd pop a cap in sancho and i'd slap her
1: down okay yeah so uh this is a good example of where you can see kind of the, the reggae and ska influence yes. um, the groove, the pocket. It does much more harken back to earlier versions of ska. And this is why I tend to, after two tone, it's sort of, I have a hard time putting sublime in the same category as most of the third wave, because mm. there's just not really the horn element Um, the bass work is not the same, uh, the groove much more points to stuff that is pre two-tone, right? Like this is much more reggae. This is sort of sixties and seventies type stuff. The guitar playing sounds more to me like reggae. I know it's splitting hairs a little bit, but in terms of where they fit genre wise, I really
0: struggle to put them in that same, you know, third wave, um, that they're frequently lumped in yeah because it was the same time period yeah i mean this is like 95 96 when they became really popular but uh, or when they, for when example they
1: you know i mean does brian setzer fit into pop music or is true, brian yeah. Setzer really just rockabilly in the 90s like that's that's really what it is <laughs> we'll save up. it we'll save, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll save it for the rockabilly episode we will our next episode <laughs> because it is it, it is you know I'm not going to say necessarily the distinctions are important, but to to put, they're also not unimportant, right? There's, there's this weird balance here, but I think I struggle with the cult aspect of Sublime. It's not that like Santory is a catchy tune. Um, That groove is awesome. Uh, But in terms of the guitar work, it has those elements where the right hand and the left hand coordination is a little bit tricky it is still less sophisticated than the other stuff, some of the other stuff that's coming out at the same time. So as I just discussed, so I, I have a hard time looking at Sublime and going, wow, absolute genius, amazing body of work. There really isn't, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Bradley Knoll. It's basically one album. Um, and I, I don't, having not grown up in California, particularly that place at that time, I really struggled to see the importance of Sublime. And I think the importance is maybe just the fact that they were influential to propelling this music forward in that place at that time. Interesting. Um, and I think the the scene that was involved with Sublime, in other words, that the people that listened to and promoted Sublime became important mm. promoters for the other third wave west coast Punks uh, bands that came out so in my mind that's kind of where sublime fits I don't I don't find it amazing musically it's not something I really like to listen to it is to me a little bit more druggy yeah. style music than necessarily a lot of the other uh third wave ska well I, a lot of the third wave ska. let me correct myself not all. <laughs> I just <laughs> said that sublime is not part of that in my mind Um, and so I, I, I think where Sublime is important is the fact that they help to launch this movement, uh, because of what the fan base does, what the fan base does in order to remember the band, in order to remember Bradley Knoll. Um, that's why I think they're important more so than necessarily an amazing body of work, or even, I hate to say it, amazing musicianship. Um, but that's, that's kind of my take on it.
0: Yeah, it's all very I mean like Bradley you no know, he could play guitar and that Santeria solo is you know it's it's for a, a you know for a dub ska song whatever to have a guitar mm-hmm. solo in the middle of it that's actually quite hummable and quite melodic you know uh, it's it's decent um but I I think I totally agree with almost everything you said there and the thing is like it's weird that I have such an affinity for a band like Real Big Fish that I'll go back to every now and again. Um, Because, you know, you could very much dismiss Sublime as being, oh, it's, you know, something you listen to when you're a teenager or in college and, you know, you you just, you grow out of it. But I just, with other bands, like I'll go back to Less Than Jake, I'll go back to Mm -hmm. Real Big Fish, but I just won't to Sublime because it's five songs.
1: Yeah, it is that I don't even like that much.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, that's, I'm glad we finally got to discuss that because that's that's a really interesting point. So yeah, I mean that's ska uh, basically in a nutshell. All three waves, the the musical elements, the the history, the you know what makes it so special to me as as a genre. And I think it's just important now eh, because you know so many music musicians and styles of music take themselves so seriously. And there's you know some genres where there's a, such rampant elitism mm. that it almost diminishes the enjoyment of the actual music. But with Ska, it's like, yeah, whatever, man, <laughs> come on yeah. in. The water's <laughs> fine. And I really like that. I think that's really, you know, it's important to have that. And I'm moving to the UK in a couple of months. And there, you know, there's, a I think the specials are touring soon. And there, you know, mm. there is still that that vibe. Um, you know, there's still a Ska bands coming out because there are, the fan base is there you know, people are telling their kids about it and it's being passed down. And every now and again, you'll hear the specials on the yogurt ad and I don't get mad. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, I'm sure they, they find it amusing. Like that's the whole genre kind of takes itself a little bit tongue in cheek, Yeah, you know? And, and so it's, they're, they're not so pretentious that they're, you know, who cares? Who cares if it's on an ad, this is going to be fun. You know, it's humorous to think about that. Yeah. And, uh,
0: and like you've I, other bands as well that came out of this like madness and stuff who just have this like kind of legacy has been like, it's always going to be a good time when you go. Like if you go into, if you're in like a pub and it must be loved by madness comes on, people love, like people go crazy for that. And it's just cause it's good. Like pop, it's good pop music with horns is essentially what it is. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, anyway.
1: I'm really glad you did this. Uh, when you said you wanted Thanks, to do it, I got super excited cause it is one of my, uh, favorite things that I don't talk about very much. And it's, <laughs> Guilty it's a player. blast. And, you know, when an, I'm on a long road trip or something like that, I definitely throw it on. So my kids know a lot of these bands that we've talked about now, too. And, you know, they're on their playlists, which is <laughs> so it's, it's good. Um, but uh, thanks for doing this, dude. I had a blast. Um, I, I love talking about it. Love listening to
0: it. And
1: listeners, uh, will have Kind of a a playlist out there on our Spotify, right
0: Dylan? Yes. Will we stick a sublime song on it? Haven't decided yet. Um, (laughs) Go find your own sublime song. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, We are Sharpen That Axe on Instagram and Facebook. And you can hit us up at sharpenthataxe at gmail.com. We're on Patreon as well, if you'd like to chuck in a book. And yeah, I I believe that's it. Um, I suppose I really like doing this genre. I like really going discussing not only what makes the genre but also where the guitar fits into it. And I think we were successfully able to do that with this. So I'd like to keep this up. Um but yeah, I have I have nothing else to say. Now I'm gonna go enjoy my Saturday evening. John, anything else to say? No. No, nope, you never do. No. <laughs> I, I, what am I gonna say? You just covered all of it. So That's it. Yeah stay sharp everybody. Good luck.